Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So at the moment, we are in between seasons here on the show, but while we're waiting for our next official season to begin, we thought that this would be a great time to pull some of our favorite episodes out of the Girls' Night Archive. This is a great time to catch up on episodes you might have missed throughout the years or to listen to old favorites all over again. Our guests are incredible. I know that I learn something new each time I listen to an episode, even if it's one I've heard a million times before. Okay, now without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. 
Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. All right, friends, I am sitting here with my brand new friend, KB. KB, I am so glad we got to meet. I have, I feel like I have to say how we got connected because we're talking about friendship today and friendship can happen in all kinds of different ways. We got set up sort of on a, on a blind date that we're on um, here <laughs> by my mother-in-law, Kathy Wilson, who we love here on the show. Yes, yes. It was very uh, random. It was literally, I was meeting her for the first time through a mutual friend. So it wasn't really that I was meeting her. I was meeting her friend who then introduced me to her. And as she was inquiring about what I did, she was like, you need to meet my daughter-in-law. And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. She was like, no, we're going to make this happen right now. Let's take a photo. Let's send it to her. Like she was like, this is happening. So I think a blind date is a great description. Yes. And I feel like it's gone so well. Kathy, well done. Yeah. Um, so lesson one, say yes to blind friend dates, because while sometimes they're kind of awful, a lot of times they can be really great. So anyway, here we are. Okay. So KB, for girls who don't know you yet, tell us who you are, what you do. And I'm really excited to hear your fun fact. Okay. So, um, yes, my name is KB and I, uh, most recently have dived into this world of relationship, friend, well, friendships really. And I've created a platform called Heart Convos where I teach millennial women how to navigate unhealthy friendships. And most commonly after I say that, usually people are like, well, how do you do that? And I tell them, I take them back to, I teach them how to have heart combos. So heart is an acronym for honest, elephant size, authentic, real, transparent conversations. And so what I've found um, in my own life personally and in the lives of a lot of other women is that they are having conversations, just not the right ones when they're working through things with one another. And so um, I've tried to make it super practical and tangible for women to think through how they can navigate these unhealthy parts of friendship. And I do that by teaching them how to have heart combos. Okay. I love that. And I have all kinds of questions about that acronym. <laughs> I want you to walk us through it. But before I start to pick your brain, what's your fun fact? Fun fact. Um, so for the last five years, I have been the official DJ for the Indiana Pacers. Okay. That is really cool. Can you like tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that? Okay. So, I mean, you know what a DJ is. They're the people you, you usually don't run into them in, uh, on an everyday basis, usually at wedding receptions. Right. But yeah, about 
five years ago, I went in for an audition for the Indiana Pacers off of an email request from a friend. And I literally went in thinking like, I'm not going to get this job. I was the only woman that uh, auditioned that day. I was on the middle of the floor with uh, two other guys. They did their auditions. I went to do my audition. I killed it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but they asked you to do like a five to seven minute mix. Um, and so I did my mix. And the one thing that they said, or the two things that they said was, wow, she has great energy and she played clean music. <laughs> and I was like, I would think that would be a given at an audition, but okay. And um, yeah, the guy literally came up to me at the end of it, asked me if I was doing a club in the city. I said, no. He said, do you have a residency anywhere? I said, no. And he said, we would love to offer you the position. And so I did that for five seasons straight for the men. And also I did the women's seasons during the summer. So 10 seasons of basketball. We went to the playoffs every single season, I think with the exception of one with the women. And uh, yeah, that's what I did. That is awesome. That is so cool. So had you been DJing for a long time? I mean, you must, like, you must, this was not, you've been doing well, this for a while. Let me tell you, random is kind of the theme of my life story. It, it, it really feels that way. I went to college to be an architect. I graduated with a degree in interdisciplinary studies. And then I went to be a missionary on staff <laughs> with an organization in like this small town, like this mom pop ministry where we worked with inner city kids. And one of the things that they did to draw kids out to the ministry was they would host these parties at the beginning of the school year. And at the time, my now husband was the guy who did that. But we were not dating or, you know, interested in one another at the time. So he was there, I think, a year while I was there. And then he moved to a different position in Young Life um, in Philadelphia. And so I was left with the responsibility of hosting these parties. So I had to learn how to DJ. And so that's how I got into the DJing. It was really just to use as a medium to reach kids in the inner city. And that ended up landing me um, a record deal. Uh, I was actually part of a band for five years. We toured internationally. We cut records. And then once that trend, once that ended, that's when I did the audition for the Pacers. So for the last 10 years, I've been in the entertainment industry. That is nuts. That is amazing. <laughs> um, did you have... I, I mean, I could ask 80 million more questions about this, but I really need to know, like, do you have a DJ name? It's DJ KB. Yeah. It's, it's so, so it's not, it's I not mean, like secret code, anything. My government name is Kristen, but, um, and my maiden name was Beth. And so in college, KB was kind of like a nickname that yeah. people had for me. And then when I became a DJ, it was just DJ KB. So. That's really awesome. I'm uh, my my overwhelming thought right now is I want a DJ name. Um, <laughs> so, so if if you end up just like if one comes to mind, let me know because I would I would love yeah. to hear it. Uh, sure. I also feel like I need to say because I know that our sweet Kathy Wilson, Kathy, my mother in law, has been on the show before and she was amazing, and we all are just such a huge fan of hers. So I feel like she's probably laughing right now. And Kathy, if you have a DJ name for me, I'd love to hear it. Um, the other thing is that when Kathy, I was talking to her yesterday about chatting with you today and she was like, yeah, she was the DJ for the Pacers, you know, the, the professional basketball team here in Indiana, like Kathy, <laughs> I know who the Pacers are. So anyway, that's, <laughs> I, I would just like to, to make it known that I know who the Pacers are. There we anyway, go. There we go. Oh, gosh. Anyone who's listening who might not know. Yes. That is a professional uh, NBA team for Indiana. Yes. Yes. Oh man, goodness. Well, okay. So you talked about heart combos and I would love to hear more about this. Like why? Um, and you and I started talking about this even before we hit record. I want to hear just your heart for friendship. Like why, 
why this is important to you. And then actually, before I forget, because I, I want to make sure we go through this, I would love for you to just talk with us a little bit more through each letter of the acronym, especially sure. elephant-sized. I'm, I'm like really yeah. excited to hear elephant-sized like yes. means. So, so yeah, tell us um, why, why did you, why is this important to you? Yes, for sure. So I used to be a trash friend. Like when I talk about unhealthy friendships and navigating those dynamics, it's because those dynamics were what defined my friendships for a very long time. Um, a lot of my personality, um, is very strong and I'm a type A personality. I'm an ENTJ on the Edison Myers-Briggs. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Like I have all these things going on, right? That don't always make for great people skills. (laughs) And I lack an awareness that I didn't realize I lacked until like about 11 or 12 years ago. Um, And so I was showing up in my friendships uh, the best way that I knew how at the time. But I also recognized the pattern in my friendships that my friends would always say things like, you just don't get it. Or uh, they would say a lot of things about my tone in conversation. I wasn't a very good listener. I was always listening to respond, not just <laughs> listening to listen. I, yeah, I was just kind of coined like that, that, that word that women don't like to be called like that. That was me. Just very aggressive. But I would say it was my passion kind of misunderstood and all these things. So I, I just kept finding myself in this circle, this revolving door of friendships that were great at the beginning, really, really high at the beginning. But then, uh, at some point I would then move on to the next thing in my mind. And then I would start to neglect what the the relationship dynamics and what was needed in those relationships. Um, And I would do that without any warning. And so that left a lot of people feeling neglected, feeling abandoned. Um, And again, at the time, I didn't know that it was an issue. A little bit of backstory on me. I'm a military brat. So every four years of my life, I moved. Like you're in a place, you're there for however long you're there. Sometimes it feels like I tell people it's like prison sometimes in the sense that, hey, how much longer you got? Like, oh, we've got six months. You know, it's like, oh, I got four years, you know? like So you're meeting people in in transition all the time. And for me, it became a part of life that it's okay to go into this new space, develop a routine and all that kind of stuff. And at some point people, they come and they go. Does that make sense? Totally. And so because of that, I think that same mentality kind of rolled over into a lot of other things. So I don't have a strong attachment or loyalty to locations or places or teams. Like I, I, we live here in Indiana now and, and people are loyal right, to the cults. They are loyal to the Pacers. I don't know that type of loyalty because we move so much. You get what I mean? And yep. so um, in my friendships, I had that same kind of rolling mentality, you know, where I would be in a friendship. And then once the dynamic changed or I felt like, okay, this was great. And now it's, you know, like I would just kind of move on. And so that was trash. (laughs) That was, it was not good. It was not okay. And a lot of people got hurt in the, in the, in the process. And so um, at some point there was a turning point. I went to be a part of a Christian sports camp called summer's best two weeks, uh, city kids. And I, I was there for six weeks. And in that six weeks, my life was completely changed because I had never been a part of a culture or community of people that were so intentional um, about every single thing that they did. And I felt permission to be my most authentic self without being labeled anything in that space. And so um, that's where the turning point happened. And so I was committed in 2007 to take what I what I could comprehend from that six week experience back to my own personal life. I was like, I want this in my friendships and my relationships. I want to be this intentional. And um, I failed at it for a long time. <laughs> but but after about a decade of uh 
success, you know, like kind of ups and downs. Um, I figured out that it, there were some key things missing in my efforts and that's where the acronym comes into place. So H stands for honest. That's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Those are, we need to be able to be honest in our relationships. Believe it or not, a lot of people feel like they can't be. Um, and so honesty is a huge component to successful friendships. Uh, elephant sized. So it, it's twofold. It could mean being willing to address the elephant in the room. So talking about the things that everybody knows is present, but no, you know, in seasons there, but is uncomfortable to talk about. Or elephant size could be a larger than life issue in your in your story. So it's being willing to talk about hard things, abuse, trauma. You get what I mean? Like things that are affecting how you're showing up. Right. A stands for authentic. Authentic has more uh, to do with, again, showing up as your most authentic self, um, not being pretentious. Right. Real is different than authentic. Sometimes like people will say, oh, just be real. And it, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with addressing real issues in real time. So that's what real stands for. And then T uh, has to do with transparent. And that is being willing to share the things that people will not would not see unless you re- revealed them. And I think a, 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 a hot topic right now is vulnerability. So I would say that the T is most related to vulnerability. Not the same, but most related to that. I love that so much. When I look at, well, first of all, I'm just, I'm so happy to get to hear your story. And, um, I think it's really refreshing to hear, like, I, I care about friendships because I wasn't a good friend for a Mm -hmm. long time. And, and really that's so much of my story too. I, my life has been, I, I have been hurt deeply, 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 deeply by really unhealthy friends. I have also deeply, deeply, deeply hurt other people by being an unhealthy friend. My life has been totally changed by having great friendships in my life. And I feel like that's the thing that I can like pass forward being able to see, like, I, I say this all the time. I think that we as women can be the worst thing to happen to each other. We can be like, it is unbelievable how cruel we can be to each other, or we can be the very best thing that happens to each other. And I, and I think we get to choose. And, and so I just, I love that you're talking about this. I'm so grateful that you're having this conversation. And, you know, when we were just before we started recording, you were telling me some stats about what friendship looks like in our generation. And I just would like, why, you know, I love getting to hear like how this connects to your own personal life, but I know that your mission extends so so far because this is something that so many of us are dealing with. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, according to the Barna group right now, like research is actually showing us that millennials are polling lonelier than the elderly. And when we think about, you know, the elderly, we think, oh, they're getting up in age, their friends are kind of dying off. And so they're finding themselves alone, right. You know, not, not as engaged in the, in the masses as much. Here we are as millennials, we have access to almost any and everything, but yet we're polling lonelier than the elderly. I think part of that has to do um, has to do with the fact that we are finding our comfort and solitude in our devices. I think that's kind of one of the biggest things. Um, I think that our devices has, have handicapped us a little bit in our ability to look one another in the eye and have you know these conversations with one another, especially the ones that become a little uncomfortable or awkward. Um, things get awkward and we immediately are like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go to my phone, right? <laughs> I don't really want to have this this conversation. Also, I think that you know, as the digital age has continued to grow and increase, um, it's become a lot easier for us to think that we're connected to people when we actually aren't. 
And so we can have a hundred friends, a thousand friends, you know, 10,000 friends or followers, right, on Facebook or Instagram. And that can make us think that we're actually experiencing connection that is not actually happening. It's almost like a placebo effect, it feels like. And so because of that, I think that um, when it comes to the real life relationships that we have, when things aren't going the way that, that we want them to go, we don't, we find ourselves in this place. Where it's like, I don't really know how, what to do with this because I can't just unfriend you, which we actually, we will do. <laughs> we just start cutting people off or stop talking to people. We'll just with, like withdraw, but it's like, I can't unfriend you. This emoji doesn't really communicate what I'm feeling in my heart. Right. <laughs> you know, and I don't have the words to really communicate to you um, that I don't like what you said. And I would prefer that you not speak to me that way. Like, and even saying that feels wrong. And, you know, like, so, so I said all that to say, I think, again, I love the fact that, you know, we're such an innovative culture that technology is just, you know, booming at this point. But at the same time, I think that it's, it's again, limiting our ability or our even necessity, you know, to, of connecting with one another. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why I've, I've created this space because I think it's absolutely necessary. I would hate, you know, that in a hundred years, people weren't talking or engaging with one another in this, especially on the level of friendship, because yes, it's nice to be able to like order your groceries and not have to talk to anybody in the grocery store. You can just get them dropped off. And, but I think when we start doing that with people, like we're only engaging when we need things or we're only engaging when it's convenient, like that will, that will ruin us as a society, I think in the long term. Mm. I feel like I could just sit and just process that for so long. Um, so I, you know, I, I want to pick your brain today about just what you've learned and, and hopefully have us all walk away with tools to help us like engage in our friendships better. Um, but I think that one of the important things to just sort of establish like off the bat is, um, and I know I've heard you talk about this before is that in order to meet new friends and to build the kinds of connections that we really truly want and need in our lives, we need to first have like a definition of friendship. And even more than that, know really what friendship means to us. Like talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. So I have this thing called the, the friendship challenge. It's a 14 day challenge that um, allows, <laughs> if you're interested in making friends, uh, maintain, mending friendships or maintaining friendships, uh, then you want to do, and you don't know how to do that. You would want to do the friendship challenge. And on day one, the literal, the first mission is for you to define friendship. And it's been very funny to me to see every single month as women go through this challenge, how many people don't have their own definition of friendship. And it like shocks them a little bit because they're like, oh my God, like I'm a full grown adult with children and have never thought about what my definition of friendship is. And, um, and it, and it just, I think really exposes that we just kind of go through the motions and figure it out as we go a lot of times. But what I would recommend, um, for people who are thinking about making friends in like a new city, or you just transitioned, or you're in a space where you recognize like, Hey, I don't have the connections that I want with people. I would say, well, let's start with just defining what it is that you do want, or at least what or maybe what you don't. I think if you're like me, you probably can identify more easily what you don't want than what you do. And so if you're thinking this is these are the the unhealthy relationships that I've had or, or bad experiences that I've had, and I don't want that again, I would say at least make that list and then look at that list and counter that list with things that you do want. So if you haven't felt the freedom to be honest in your in your friendships in the past because people were so easily offended or made you feel bad about having an opinion about anything, you know, then maybe you would say, OK, I don't want that. And what I do want is the freedom to be honest, you know, in yes. friendship. I want the freedom to be myself. <laughs> you know, I want relationships that aren't codependent. You know, um, I want 
there to be boundaries in my friendship because I've had relationships where there were no sense of boundaries and it just became this really unhealthy enmeshment, like, <laughs> you know, like situation, you know? And so uh, I think if you can establish a definition, then you're giving yourself a foundation to build upon when there's no foundation. If you don't know what you want and settle for anything and we don't, we don't want to just settle for what comes. We want to know what we want and be intentional in the same way that way that we would if we were dating or looking for a spouse. You know, we don't just take anything that well, we should not just take anything that comes. We should know like, hey, I want a person who has these convictions, who values these things, who, you know, models these characteristics. And so that's why I think it's important to have a definition. I love that. I, you know, we, that's something that we've talked about a lot in my community and like specifically in my course, love your single life, we make a must have list of things we're looking for in another person. And, you know, we whittle it down. So it's not like he must be six, two and have blue eyes and like blah, 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 because those (laughs) things really, when we get that specific, we're, we're making it so that we miss out on really on, on people who are probably better for us than the guy that we're imagining in our heads. But I think that when we don't think of what we're looking for, it's like going into the grocery store without a list, hungry. So you're going in and you're looking around and you're grabbing just kind of whatever and you've spent too much money and you've bought like Twinkies and it's not going to satisfy (laughs) you or help you or be good for you. And so I just, I love this because I think that having a must-have list or just what we're having a good idea of what we're looking for helps us know when what we've found isn't what we're looking for, helps us have the language for why we need to move on and keep looking for something different. And just as you were talking, I was thinking, we know that unhealthy relationships, like romantic relationships can be just detrimental to our lives. But I think all of us can say also unhealthy friendships can be totally detrimental to our lives. Like we just, it is impossible to show up in the world in the way that God created us to when we're surrounded by people who don't love us and support us and make space for us. And I know one thing that I had to decide, I was 25 years old when I decided this and my gosh, I wish that I had decided this when I was five years old, not 25, (laughs) was that I'm not going to be friends with people who are mean to me. And I'm not going to be friends with people who are going to talk about me in a negative way when I'm not there. And I just like... I, I just, I have a friendship must have list and I, I'm totally uncompromising on it now because I spent mm. so many years trying to make friendships work with people who didn't treat me the way that I deserve to be treated. And I think a lot of us do that. Yes. And I don't know what that, I mean, I think it's different for everyone. It could be the misconceptions that we, we have, the false beliefs that we have, you know, all of us have these experiences in life that we create stories around. And sometimes those stories are rooted in misconceptions. They're rooted in except in in exceptions, you know. Um, and so, yeah, if if a person's experience has only consisted of being in relationship with people who, like they they might think like, oh, this is just a part of it, right? Like abuse or um, being spoken to poorly or, you know, being told like, it's okay to treat you one way, or it's, it's okay to be treated this way in front of people, but behind closed doors, I treat you differently or whatever. All of that, I think our, our, our different stories inform our perceptions and what we believe that we deserve and, and the things that we've seen modeled before us. And so I love it that you came to that place. And, and my hope is that more people would come to that place and come to that place sooner <laughs> rather than later. Yeah. Um, you started talking about this already. I, you, um, something that you've talked about a lot is our mindset when it comes to friendships. And I feel like this leads into this perfectly. I wanted to make sure to ask you about this. Like what is, I mean, the word mindset has so many different 
sort of definitions or things that it, it, um, I don't know. It has so many different uses today. Um, how does our mindset affect our relationships, both in good ways and in like not so good ways? And how do we use our mindset in, like in a way that's actually going to help us in our friendships? Sure. I think kind of maybe piggybacking off of what I was talking about before, um, kind of knowing that our being aware of what our mindset is, again, of our false beliefs, of our, the misconceptions that we have about friendship. One of the ones that I uh, carried for a very long time that informed all of my decisions, because I believe that our, our perceptions, um, are, they, they um, inform our actions, you know, and they inform our belief systems and they inform how we make our decisions ultimately. And so um, if we perceive that something is hot, we won't touch it, right? Because we maybe have an experience that has said touching hot things is painful, right? And so I think it's the same thing um, in our relationships. But one of the, when I talk about mindset, I encourage people to have this thing called the growth mindset. The growth mindset is a perspective that is full of grace, <laughs> you know, is full of truth, but is also very progressive. And so the emphasis in the growth mindset is that where you are today, you don't always have to be, right? And that it's, a, a journey to get from point A to, to point B, if that makes any sense. Um, and when people have a growth mindset, they're far more gracious to themselves and one another. And it helps them to what I think the scriptures talk about bear with one another, right. In our, in our journeys. And so I would encourage people when it comes to friendship to you're making that definition, you're identifying kind of the misconceptions that you've carried and you're, you're trying to have this this fresh perspective going in, but then also have this mindset that this is going to be a growth process. It's not a one and done. It's not a, I applied these five things. So now I'm going to have this thing over here. It's not, it's not that simple. Like it's a constant process of trial and error, figuring out what works, what doesn't, but having these principles in place that, uh, that give you space to debrief. Did this work? Did it not work? Did I like this? What do I enjoy about this? What don't I enjoy? And and it's just a labor, a constant labor, but it's a labor of growth. And, and I think if we have that mentality about our friendships, I think we'll we'll be more likely and willing to kind of stick them out, if that makes any sense. I think, I don't know why we believe this. I think, I don't think we believe it. Well, let me just say this. I think sometimes people, uh, that whole organic thing, like we should just kind of vibe or mesh or, you know, it should just kind of happen organically. I think people believe that about romance and about love and, and things, right? Then you get into marriage and that's why people are like, what the heck happened? Because then they get into marriage and they're like, wait, why isn't marriage organic? And why aren't we just vibing? <laughs> like, why does it, why does it take so much work? And I'm like, man, if, if people could just have this mentality that relationships take work, relationships are a process and they require a lot of grace and truth, then I think they will find themselves going further faster, you know, in, in that process. So that's what I have to say about mindset, embrace the growth mindset. I love that. I, um, I've said this a couple of times. I can't remember if I've said this on the show before, but I think that we think when it comes to community that we, it's like a house, we build it one time and we build it early in our life and then we just live in it forever. So it's like, you know, we get really frustrated and confused when we don't end up with our best friends in elementary school or middle school or high school or college, or, you know, just after college or when we're newly married, whenever we think we're supposed to have it, like, why don't we have our forever community or we build what we think is our forever community and then someone moves and it's really confusing. <laughs> um, but I think that really that friendships are much more like a garden and, you know, you plant, this is like funny because I've, 
I'm known for having just a total black thumb. Like I'm not a good gardener, but yes. I've been redeeming myself. I actually have a bunch of houseplants that are surviving and thriving. But I know I'm like really proud. Um, but I think that, you know, you plant a bunch of seeds. Some of them are not going to grow for whatever reason. Maybe it's the soil. Maybe it's they're in too much sunlight or not enough sunlight. There's just, or maybe it's kind of a like messed up seed. There's some sort of reason that not every seed is going to grow, but some of them do and, and, but they take water and sunlight and, and nutrients and like they take caring, they take tending and I, they're just, their seasons for them. They, they don't grow overnight. Like you don't put something in the ground and then expect it to be a full tree. Like the next day, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's just a process. And sometimes things don't grow the way that you're wanting them to. Sometimes they grow bigger than you're thinking they're going to, but the whole time it takes effort and care. And, I think that we, we, I'm so glad that you said that because I think that we really forget and we get so frustrated when it didn't just like happen and it didn't just happen overnight. Um, yes. There's so much frustration there. And I think that that can really hold us back. Yeah, for sure. 